640 Toronto presents Think Tank, the breaking stories you care about. Please, tell me. Okay, I'll tell you. The backstories you don't know yet. That's my question! Facts and opinions that get you through your day. You never know what you're going to get. And now let's meet the guests. All right, let's do that. We're always happy to have our next two on. Great respect for both of them. We'll get into some spirited debate this morning. It's Think Tank on 640 Toronto. Anna Bailau's former deputy mayor. How is Anna this morning? Very well. Very well. Thank you. It's great to have you. And Mohamed Faki, entrepreneur and, uh, entrepreneur and activist, founder of Paramount Fine Foods. At 5.30 a.m., I can't say entrepreneur, Mohamed, but by 7.36, I should be able to. It's only four syllables. Or is it five? You see, I don't even know. <laughs> How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. We're we're all trying to smile after a, after a really difficult time, and and maybe the difficult time isn't over. I want to bring this up and play you something both from uh, Foreign Affairs Minister for Canada, Melanie Jolie. She had a news conference yesterday, talked about bringing Canadians home. It's a dangerous place, certainly to be in Israel right now. Some people just want to get home and get with their loved ones. Here's what she said about the potential to do that and get Canadians back to Canada. We will act and take decisions based on the number of Canadians that have registered. So that's why I've been giving the phone number so many times, because this will have an impact on how many flights will be available. Uh, But at one point, government flights will be over and Canadians will have then to take the decisions on what will happen next. And it's a sad statement on on I think um, the world we live in, but Canada's having to do this more often. We we tried to get people out of Afghanistan in a hurry, and and it was a struggle. We've tried this week, and it's been a struggle. How do you view the federal government's responsibility here, um, given it's not a weather disaster, it's not something that uh, that that was that was all of a sudden. It's an armed conflict in a difficult, difficult area. Um, Greg, uh, b- before we, we, we get into that, I, I just wanted to take a moment to really acknowledge what we've seen over the weekend. Uh, you know, these yeah. were acts of, of terrorism. These yeah. were atrocities against civilians. And I think we need to use our voices to denounce terrorism in the world, uh, to, to, to be with, uh, with these communities. I, I can't imagine what, what the Jewish community um, in Israel and around the world is going through. I mean, we keep hearing uh, about uh, the Jewish community here in Toronto and, and how we, you know, we, we've been very lucky to see our police saying that they're going to be heightening their efforts and their surveillance uh, around that. But, uh, you know, the fear, the trauma that is felt in these communities is real and, uh, and we need to be with them and we need to denounce these acts of terrorism, terrorism that, that we've seen. With regards to the federal government, Absolutely. They need to do everything they can to uh, remove uh, Canadians, to protect Canadians. And I think they need to act as quickly as possible uh, to take uh, um, Canadians out of this conflict. Uh, you know, we, we've seen uh, things getting worse, not getting better. Uh, and we need to, uh, to uh, and we should expect our government to act as quickly and swiftly as possible. Mohammed, is, is it part of just who we are? We've got 4,250 Canadians registered in Israel, 475 in the Palestinian territories. It's going to be difficult, very difficult uh, to get them out if it's not sooner rather than later, given I, I think what we're expecting in terms of in terms of a conflict between uh, Hamas terrorists and, and the Israeli army. Well, it's very difficult. I've uh, witnessed what happened in Lebanon when uh, we actually helped the Lebanese uh, Canadian to come out of Lebanon during the previous war 
uh, when uh, the war between Israel and Lebanon was happening and Beirut was bombed. I think the government helped uh, Canadian Lebanese to leave Lebanon and it was very, very difficult and it was part of the effort and coordination with the embassy. Federal government always needs to have as one of its primary responsibilities ensuring the safety of Canadians wherever Canadians are. And that's what we expected from them. So yes, I'm glad to see that the government arranging safe transport home this week. And it sounds like Every country is doing the same, and it's all happening at once, and it's not going to be easy. So our government needs to get people home as quickly as possible, and we need to be a little bit patient on them. It's not going to be easy task, and I think they need to figure it out and figure out how to do it. They can do it many times, as we heard. So we need to make sure that as well they reach to the Canadian that can get to airport. And, yeah. you know, uh, Israeli, Canadians... Uh, a lot of them are people that we all know, know where they're friends, and uh, it's difficult to get to airports. And Palestinian Canadian, that they are in Gaza, I don't understand how would they get there. So I'm hoping the Canadian government is as well uh, making some uh, talking to people down on the ground and making sure that these Canadians are out. Yeah, we have to do everything at, at, at lightning speed in that concept. I saw a profile of a woman last night, Mohammed, in, in Gaza, who is there. She, her home was bombed out. She moved to a hotel. That hotel is now unlivable. She doesn't know where to go. And you just nailed it. It is not like you can just get in a car. This isn't like leaving um, where there's going to be a hurricane or a tornado or a natural disaster. You can't get on the highway and drive as, as, as far as you can. It doesn't work that way. I'm a humanitarian and I've been in a lot of regions and, mm. you know, it, it's easy to say they're going to get out. But during a war, there is only one or two spots open <laughs> for them to yeah. get out. And those areas where they can get out are usually where the fight's happening. So it's just not going to be easy. Anna, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that uh, it, it's not going to be easy and it, it's going to be crucial, the cooperation with other countries, because Mohammed is right. Every country, uh, you know, is, is trying to do the same. So cooperation between neighboring countries, between other countries that are trying to take their civilians out and with private companies is going to be essential in here. Um, let's move to this. This is very new for many of our listeners. It came around late yesterday afternoon. But it wasn't something I was expecting. The federal labor minister, Seamus O'Regan, from the liberal government, really laid into QP Ontario for, quote, glorification of violence, the spreading of anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. There's a lot here. Um, it's been documented. QP Ontario President Fred Hahn has been in some hot water with his own uh, members and especially the rank and file about some of the things he said. This this is a this is a pretty grand statement, Anna, given uh, you've got this amazing political background to my ears. Um, people don't want to be shoved into incredibly complex political topics or even about what schools teach the job of a union. Have my back in the workplace. Push for me at contract time. Is that QP's job and, and not political activism? Greg, you're, you're right. This is a very complex uh, situation in the Middle East, but I don't think a terrorist attack is complex. And this is what happened. Hamas is a recognized terrorist organization. And people keep saying this, but I think it is important to continue to mention it. Hamas is not the Palestinian people. Yeah. Hamas is a recognized uh, terrorist uh, organization. And to celebrate its acts and these the senseless acts towards civilians as resistance is completely 
inappropriate, especially when I'm sure that QP has so many members uh, that are being traumatized, that are being, uh, that have family members that have uh, 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 close ties with people that have been uh, affected by this and that are being affected by this. So um, kudos on the minister to call this out. I, I don't think we can uh, support uh, the acts of terrorism being equated to resistance because they're very different. Mohammed, there's there's right and wrong, but there's also some brand management here. There's 249,000 people in this province, uh, hardworking men and women that are QP union members. And as I said, they want to go to work. They don't want somebody bugging them all the time going, what's with your, with your boss? He or she is out of control on Twitter, advocating for this, advocating for that. What's the line to you? Well, I mean, I have to... Uh, say one more thing here. Um, I mean, a lot of the politicians are in a difficult situation and they try to weigh in because they're afraid that people to blame them that they didn't weigh in. (laughs) And if they don't weigh in, people will say, well, you didn't say anything. And if they weigh in, people say you didn't need to weigh in. (laughs) I don't think it was his job. He could have weighed in somewhere else, not to the QP. I mean, and that's fine. Uh, we're all having the same statement about what happened on Saturday. And yes, you're right, Anna. Uh, Hamas is not the Palestinian people. And like we, we all know, there is everywhere, everything from everything. There is the people that don't understand the situation. There is the, uh, the small <laughs> number of people that do not represent the rest of the Palestinians that they were maybe looking like celebrating as if they were they're wrong and we con i condemn that personally and we all did all of us together yeah but again there is another situation here that people i am personally worried about the civilians everywhere the civilian in tel aviv the civilian in israel and i'm very concerned about what's happening you're right people are moving to hotels the hotels you can't live in people are sleeping in the street and people are sleeping underground from the Israeli side too. And this is not healthy. And I think we should not bring this to Canada. My friend from the Jewish community and my friend that they, are, that they have loved one in Israel, they're still my friend and they're gonna be always my friend. And the politicians, they need to remember, we all need to bring Canadians together united. And we could stand united. We could send a message of love and peace. We could be the people who are starting that. Canada could play a big role on just, and I'm not talking about Hamas, definitely I condemn it. Yeah. But I'm talking about, and it's easy that people will say, oh, what, Mohammed, are you supporting? I'm not supporting any of the action of Hamas or anything that happened wrong, of course. And what happened Saturday is horrible, horrific. But we need to stay together as Canadians. Like yesterday, my Israeli uh, colleague or somebody that working at Paramount or somebody working at my other building company, now is not the same person that I love and I care about his family member. I do. So we need to stay united as Canadian and stay Canadian. And the Canadian always send a love message. Anna, Anna, I I think what Mohammed said is so prescient because we did this and I think we did it not because of how it looked, but it was the right thing to do with the Quebec City mosque shooting. And we circled around the Muslim community and says, this is terrible. We can't let this happen. We want you to know we we obviously don't support this and we're going to protect you. The London van attack, the Toronto van attack um, for for women like like this is this is very Canadian. I think it's just very societal that we, we look and say. We're not supportive of this in the least, and we want it, We want you to know that we're here in any context that you need us to let you know that. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And we need to continue to do that. And that is why it's important that we don't mix, you know, resistance with terrorist attacks and what happened Mm -hmm. uh, on Saturday. (laughs) And that we continue to use our voices to to denounce those acts and to say we are uh, with these communities being, you know, uh, an attack on one of our mosques or yeah. an attack, uh, what happened with what Hamas did uh, to the Jewish community, you know, uh, th- this will have, is having impacts across the world, and we need to remain intact, uh, uh, in, in, in uh, close contact with everybody and, and um, mm. remain united. Anna Bylas joins former Deputy Mayor Mohamed Faki, uh, founder of Paramount Fine Foods. All right, I know you're both passionate about housing, and you both know the file really well. Speaking of federal call-outs, Liberal Housing Minister Sean Fraser put the target on Mississauga yesterday. He says they're not moving fast enough. They're not delivering what they promised. Housing in Mississauga, and I'll start with you, has been controversial. Some people have called it a city of NIMBYs. There has been some criticism of their mayor, Bonnie Crombie. It's come up during the Ontario Liberal leadership debate. Um, it, it, it is, it, is naming names, is that going to, do we have too much of a political process? We have to build houses. We have to build them fast. That was what your mantra during your mayoral campaign. It just looks like we're getting, we're getting stuck in the mud in some of these, uh, in some of these cities. You know, this conversation has been going on for years on how we need more intensification. And it's getting to, to the point that, you know, we really need to stop talking and getting the shovels on the ground. And that's why I think the minister is so keen on pushing the municipalities to, to get this done. Because, it, you know, he's bringing, it's coming to the table with funds. It's coming to the tables with initiatives. And you can't have other orders of government, on the other hand, making it harder so that those funds have no impact and no impact. Mm effect on on the housing situation so i i I think he's doing the right thing by emphasizing the urgency that we we all orders of government we all need to have these have been conversations going on for years i mean toronto approved laneway housing back in 2018 five years ago right so we need municipalities to understand that you know these, these are people's homes. These are your kids' homes that we're talking about, a place for them to live. That's what we're talking about. And, uh, and I think it is important to bring this sense of urgency uh, because uh, I, 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 all my friends, uh, everybody that I talk to, uh, main issue, I, I'm sure Thanksgiving, is about housing, right? You know, yeah. mortgages going up, rents going up. People want places to live. They can't find places to live. You know, uh, so w- w- there's an urgency out there. Well, we need to have the urgency uh, in bringing solutions to the table and act on these things. Mohammed, it's incredibly stressful. And uh, and you'd know, in essence, as a, you know, almost a builder in your own right, how, how, how stressful and how much red tape there really is. It's very difficult. And honestly, he's doing more than just naming and shaming and pointing finger, which is I like, by the way. He's also using the big federal fund of $4 billion, like Anna said, an accelerator fund, right? And that will encourage the municipality and municipal governments that pushes back on the NIMBYs and create the condition for more housing faster, exactly what it's needed now for years to come. So they just need to make it easier. And as Mississauga, I love Mississauga. I'm a friend of Bonnie, as Anna knows, and yeah. everything. But I thought council should have done better yesterday and not delayed multiplexes and all this. It's obvious we need to move on this. And look, I like Sean. I like Sean the Fraser. He just new minister coming in and saying, move out of my way. Let's get things done. And Anna said, it's right. We need to get it done. So let's move out of his way. And if we want to do anything, it's helping him. 
not the other way around. Yeah, I think they want to get to the same place. They just may have different philosophies as to, as to how to do it, Sean Fraser and Bonnie Crombie. And, and to let people... Greg, yeah. there's been so much consultation about this. There's been so many other municipalities that have already approved fourplexes. There's been lots of talk about this. We know what it, you know, what it does, what it takes, how it, how it gets done. It's, it's, it's been done all over North America now. So what is there to study? What is there to, to, to consult? I think that we need to get to the common ground, and the common ground, I think, is people want homes. So if people want homes, these are some of the actions that we need to take and we need the political courage to have them done. Yeah, Mohammed, I, I heard from people in Mississauga yesterday. They voted 5-5, so it deadlocked and so it didn't pass for four plexes. And I heard from people in Mississauga saying, we need six plexes. We need eight plexes. We need towers in the sky. We don't have the, the density near transit right now. Yeah, and I don't understand why that happened. And I'm sure they'll come around. They have to come around. They have no option. The people of Mississauga is asking them to just... Come on board because we need those housing. And this is, you're right, absolutely. These are our kids. These are the people that they're going to be looking for those and they're going to be demanding of us. Look, we all, what we do, like we celebrate our seniors because they provided us with the cities that we have today and we're enjoying. And we need to do the same for the next generation. And we don't, we can't delay that anymore. All right, let's talk about getting around the city of Toronto, but I don't doubt it's different in some of the suburbs too, Anna. We're besieged with uh, with rideshare vehicles, Uber and Lyft. People want to make extra cash, or sometimes it's their primary job. So city council voted yesterday 17 to 8. It was a big number that jumped out at me that uh, that they want to put a cap on rideshare vehicles in Toronto. There's 10 rideshares, basically, for every one licensed and registered taxi. You saw this grow, and you saw this get first approved in 2016 as a member of council. Is the cap the right thing to do, or should it be more tightly regulated? Uh, you know what? I, I, there were so many issues that they're trying to resolve with, uh, with this report and with this discussion. You know, there's environmental issues. There's wage issues. There's all these issues, absolutely. I feel like every time council is, is dabbling and working on, you know, taxi rideshare things, it just complicates things. And uh, when you actually get out of this discussion with a report coming back, and I think it was 14 to 16 months or something like that. And I, I, I wonder, like, so why do you do something like this, that you cap the licenses, you're already having a huge impact on this industry, you might end up in court, you might get end up being sued, and then you're going to study it after. Um, shouldn't you study it before to really see the solutions that you should bring to the table in order to have more environmentally friendly and to, to deal with some of the, the, the situations? That That's my, my question. Also, in terms of enforcement, you know, how we're going to have the Uber drivers from other cities around Toronto yes, and coming yeah. and driving to Toronto? Like, how are you going to police this? Like, are you going to have everybody registering their Ubers in, in Mississauga and then end up uh, driving it in, in Toronto? Uh, I think these are the the, the questions oh. that answered yesterday. Mohammed, this person, this, this Anna Bailao, she was born to lead. That's my favorite answer in the four-week history of this segment, <laughs> is let's study something before we decide. And Mohammed, they're, they're going to study this for 14 months. So basically, you shelve anybody coming into Toronto or anybody that wants to do this for 14, 14 months for a study? I, I, I never had a professor in university give me 14 months to write a paper, Mohammed. What's up with that? Paralysis by analysis. <laughs> I mean, why do you need that much? I'm, I, I think... I think, look, I mean, I think uh, there is a much more important point to make on this. On the, and I don't think uh, people that are doing uh, 
Go ahead. I still got you. We may not have Muhammad. Do we still have Anna? Yes, you do. Fantastic. <laughs> he gave up Anna. He couldn't match. The <laughs> he waved the white flag. Your answer was too excellent uh, for him in, in that context. I want to bring something up with you, though. That is significant. The idea of legal action was brought up by the seven dissenters, if you will, on council to say Uber and Lyft have money to burn. These are billion dollar corporations. They have no problem litigating the city of Toronto saying, hey, you're preventing people that we want to hire from making a living. We don't do this with any other industry. Yeah, and we, I, I mean, I was skimming through the news uh, uh, this morning and you're already starting to uh, to hear from these companies uh, that they're going to look into their legal options. So that, that was, you know, it, it, it was to be expected. Uh, and I'm sure that they're going to be looking into their rights uh, and and how to uh, uh, to to um, deal with the situation. Again, it's not to say that there there isn't valid questions. Is, is it too many? How do you control? How do you make sure that you know people mm-hmm. don't end up making seven dollars? Like, how do we make sure that we have more environmentally friendly friendly cars on the street? But um, copying licenses, it was done with the taxi industry. And we actually created the city back decades ago, created this whole industry of, you know, licensing, uh, licenses being sold. So I I just uh, think that uh, the city should have been a bit more careful. And if they're going to study, then make the decision with the facts in front of you, with the information in front of you. Uh, to make a solid decision and not mess up this industry even more. All right. We've had a lot of great answers, a lot of great content from both of you. We've got a minute left for each of you on this one. Um, Mohammed's back now, I should mention, by the way, and thank you for calling us back. There's a big push, Mohammed, in high school for financial literacy. We all, we all want to be as smart as you are with with money and business, Mohammed, and many of us aren't. So maybe a compulsory course in high school. So I'll ask you this. Were you good at handling money in your teenage years, Mohammed? Did this come now? Are, are you just gifted at this stuff? No, I wasn't good at all, actually. <laughs> well, tell us how bad you were. I'm not sure I'm great now, but <laughs> I really have to get older to get better. I mean, <laughs> so not so much. Anna, what about you? you you've documented your, uh, you, you know, you see in the big city, bright lights of Toronto. Were you a good spender slash saver in your teenage years, your early twenties? I had no choice. I had to work to pay for my university. So I, that was always my goal is to make sure I had enough money saved up to pay for uh, the tuition come September. So, uh, but I think this is a great initiative. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, uh, youth need to understand the value of, of money, what it takes. It's getting complex out there. It's just so easy. Nowadays, you just tap your phone, right? Yeah. And I think people sometimes lose a bit of a sense of what uh, what the money is is really worth and how you should manage it and and what is happening out there and how the markets work and I think it's great initiative absolutely we should have more uh, uh, financial literacy in 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 our schools and and again keep in mind that we have people coming from all over the world coming to including youth and kids coming to this country and systems are different across the world so absolutely we should have more financial literacy in here. Oh. Yeah, and like everything else, right? You learn it. It's great to have it. You learn it. It doesn't mean you're going to use it immediately, but you'll come back to it after. So mm-hmm. usually we learn things at school, like geography or, or history or anything, and doesn't mean we use it immediately mm-hmm. uh, in those years. But after four or five years, we start remembering what we learned and we put it to work. So, yes, yeah, of course, I agree with it. But I would say if I did have that course, it doesn't mean I would have had it changed <laughs> on the spot how I spend money. So 
<laughs> well, uh, I always say to my kids, you know, look straight ahead, keep the hair short, look your teachers in the eye in those first two weeks because uh, you never get a second chance to make a, Don't fall asleep if it's financial literacy, geography, history. We need all, more of all of that. You guys were great today. Thank you so much for your opinion and for all this time. Uh, we The listeners love it. So thank you again. Thank Thanks, you. Sir. Have a great week. Thanks, Mohammed. There's Anna Bailao, Mohammed Faki joining us on Think Tank. 